The NFL claims its new TV licenses through 2033 bring the game unprecedented stability, but there is nothing stable about the TV market, and even the game may be forced to adapt in the next 10 years. Listen on to find out more. And hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Video News End Screen Media Podcast. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and uh, Colin Dixon from End Screen Media is with me. Hey, Colin, how's everything? Everything's going great, Will. I'm going to apologize to our audience in advance that I'm having work done I'm in my home <laughs> today, and uh, this week, actually. The noise will be unavoidable, but I'll try and minimize it, so hopefully it won't be too disruptive. All right. Well, I haven't heard too much noise here while we've been preparing for the podcast, so hopefully that will continue as we get into it. But um, this week, we want to talk about the new NFL deals that were announced at the end of last week, uh, which were uh, pretty comprehensive. About $100 billion is the estimate. And I'm going to provide a little bit of background on the deals just so our listeners have that. And then you're going to talk a little bit about why you believe that the deals don't provide the type of stability that the NFL believes that they do. I will indeed. I've got, I had some time to play with the numbers and think about what TV will be like in 2033 when the deal ends. And I'll talk about those findings just as soon as you've summarized what the deal says. Hard to imagine what the world is going to look like in 2033, but let's just, um, just covering on the quick on the basics of the deal. So the NFL announced the, um, this package of rights covers the next 11 years, and it basically keeps the existing networks in place, uh, but adds, and, and all the, and all, I should say, all the franchises that have been with those networks in place also. So uh, CBS, ESPN, Fox, NBC, NFL Network all keep basically their deals in place. Um, new to the rights package is Amazon, which is going to have exclusive Thursday night games. It, they will not be simulcast anymore on NFL Network. So that's that's going to be different. Amazon's going to have that first as an all-digital-only distribution. And there's going to be digital distribution also with CBS on Paramount Plus, with ESPN on ESPN Plus, and on NBC with Peacock. So there is some uh, simultaneous digital and streaming distribution that's happening as part of the deals. And, um, you know, again, I think uh, the NFL and the networks were all very mindful of saying that this is, uh, you know, long-term deal, 11 years. There's actually a renegotiation opportunity for the NFL after seven years. Um, and I think the networks can ask for some additional uh, digital coverage also at that point as well. So there is there is some flexibility, but, um, but the main thing is that uh, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, uh, said that the deals really provide what he said is unprecedented stability for the league. And stability is not really a word that we hear too much these days related to anything having to do with the video landscape, because there's, of course, so much changing right now. So um, you thought that claim was a little bit overblown. And uh, so why don't I, with that background in mind for our listeners, turn it over to you to Explain why you think that the stability is more of an illusion than reality. 
Right. The, the, well, the biggest thing in that deal, Will, is that if you want to watch a, a good proportion of NFL games, you are going to have to have a pay TV subscription for, the, for that period, for the, out to 2033. Um, you are going to be between two worlds. You're going to be jumping over to Amazon on Thursday nights, flipping back to your pay TV subscription to continue to watch. And I got to tell you, over the period between now and 2033, I think we're both agreed that there is going to be unprecedented change in the world of television. So what I did was I thought I'd have some fun here and I'd look at current trends and try and figure out what would happen if those trends continue over the next few years. And I really focus, Will, on the on three things that I think really care, that the NFL care about very much and are a core part of this deal. Uh, so let's look at the first one. The first one I looked at was multi-channel TV. So I'm really lumping together MVPDs and virtual MVPDs in the multi-channel world. And so if you look at where we are today, there's about 77 million homes with a traditional pay TV and 11.5 million with virtual MVPD like Sling TV or YouTube TV, something like that. And uh, th- that means that there are 37 million homes in the US that don't have those things. So I did a sort of best and worst case analysis here. I sort of said, okay, what happens if the NFL is successful in slowing the decline? So the declines we've seen in the last couple of years will taper off. And I think I saw them, I, I forecasted taper off to about 2% a year. There are 7% this year, this last year, and about the same uh, the previous year. So I, I sort of used that forecast and a much more pessimistic forecast that showed things declining just as fast as they are. And at the other, other side, I looked at the virtual MVPDs picking up some of those subscribers, not all. But basically right now about 30% do, but that's falling. 30% of people that cut the cord from their traditional provider pick up a virtual MVPD. So I then assumed that that would, that would drop to 15% over time because those virtual MVPD packages are getting pretty expensive. Anyway, long and the short of it is, best case, I saw about 52 million pay TV households, uh, traditional pay TV by 2033 and 16 million virtual MVPDs, which means there are more people without multi-channel TV, 75 million, than with it, uh, which would be about uh, 70 million. Worst case, there'd be almost 100 million homes in the US without pay television, and only about 46 million with pay television. So I gotta tell you, if they're depending on pay television to carry the load of delivering NFL through 2033, most people, even in my best case analysis, most people aren't going to have pay television at all by, or I should say, a multi-channel package by 2033. So isn't, you know, that seems like a big hole in their strategy. Right. So let's, yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, and there have been all kinds of different uh, forecasts for what the penetration of pay TV is going to be in five years, ten years, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably not a bad assumption to say that only about half of homes will have pay TV by 
by uh, by by ten years from now. But here's the question: um, Is it you know when you look at the NFL deal, for instance, CBS is going to be able to stream all of the games that it has rights to on Paramount Plus. So those games would be at least those games, for instance would be available without having to have a pay TV subscription. You would just subscribe to Paramount Plus. That's true. So if, um, you know, if you only are interested in watching your local team, the chances are you'll be able to subscribe to one of the services like Paramount Plus and continue to watch that team. But I got to tell you, it's still going to be a mess, Will, because if, if you want to watch any of the other games, then you're going to have to have another service. And let's be honest, if you like football at all, you're going to want to watch Monday night at least, right? So, or maybe Thursday night. So there, there's two more services that you're going to need. Um, so it really becomes very difficult for people to, uh, to, to continue to watch the games. But the more important thing, I think, to think about here, Will, is so many people will not have access to those games at all now. And what, what does that mean? That means that if you are looking to continue to have a large audience for these games going forward, your ability to reach people has just been dramatically curtailed. So excess, you know, even over the period of this, uh, this deal, there will just be, I think, way fewer people who are just interested in watching because they just have never been captured by the game. They've never been introduced to it. They've never had a chance to really sit and get behind the local team because they can't watch the games. Right. Now, there's, there is one other way to think about that attrition in pay TV subscribers, which is that um, those that remain, let's say the half or so of American homes that remain subscribers, that those are, in fact, sports fans. So it's the non-sports fans that I think we've seen most vulnerable to cutting the cord to date. And if that trend were to continue, then maybe that universe of people who can access games is actually bigger uh, than you know what you might be suggesting because the remaining homes, the remaining subscribers are heavily skewed to sports fans. Uh, this is absolutely true. But I will, there are a lot of dynamics going on, on, on here, Will, right? What you're basically asking people to do, the big sports fans to do, is to continue to pay for a full multi-channel package. Uh, let's be, let, and let's be honest, in the purview of this deal, in the, in the 11, 12 years of this deal, by 2033, that package is going to be what? $150? $150? It's $80 today. Uh, and continuing to to increase uh, well above inflation every year. So that package just gets incredibly expensive by 2033. So that's that's the first thing I think to think about. Uh, and, and the second thing is, and, and I really don't want to minimize this, I think it's going to be very easy for advertisers to advertise to NFL fans online when they're watching other things. Because, you know, virtually all of the online platforms, particularly the virtual linear platforms, are targetable, right? So I can target sports fans on other media uh, and other delivery mechanisms and reach them effectively online 
not in the NFL games. So, you know, there is a, obviously there are a lot of dynamics here and I'm not saying that I have the answer. I'm just saying there's just tremendous uncertainty here and things may not play out at all like like we're expecting, like the NFL seems to be expecting here with the deal. Right, and the offset on the, you know, potential to reach audiences through targeted online ad advertising or connected TV advertising. The offset there is that the advertiser has to kind of cobble together those audiences. Whereas, you know, the big benefit of sports and particularly NFL is that you get all that audience at one time. You get it with a single buy, you get it all in one, uh, excuse me, people watching simultaneously. And, you know, this is kind of the Super Bowl argument that if you're trying to launch a brand or launch a new movie or a you know, new car, new product, whatever, uh, that being able to do that one mass buy is just much more efficient and effective. Uh, well, there is certainly some truth to that as well. But I will say NFL audiences are continuing to decrease. They decreased again this season. And it's hard to believe that they won't continue to decrease with the continued decline of pay TV um, and even with my optimistic forecast being in less than half of homes. But there's another factor I think we should really take into account here, Will. The NFL and NFL football games really grew up, really became a national passion with the television industry. And really, NFL games have evolved into the perfect advertising medium on television. And if you look uh, at the data, well, so the average viewer watches uh, a three-hour and 11-minute game. They'll see 63 minutes of commercials. That works out to 20 minutes per hour, right? On regular television today, it's 14 minutes. On cable, it's 17 minutes. So they are way higher than everything else. Yeah. But if you look at what's happening online, it's going entirely in the other direction. NBCU Peacock is five minutes per hour. Hulu is about 10 minutes per hour. And every sign is that consumers love the reduced ad load. They love the continuous action. And so what we're really t telling people on online is that they can get much more like that experience. So if you have an audience now that's fundamentally watching most of their stuff online and only watching games, NFL games on traditional TV at those ad loads, it's just wildly out of step with the experience that they have now of television. So I think over time, that is going to get really wearing on people's patience to just sit and watch the game. Yeah, I, I, I completely hear you on this point, Colin. In fact, there was some interesting research we were talking about before we started recording today showing how much viewers, particularly young viewers, are gravitating just to watching the highlights. They prefer just to watch the highlights of the game rather than watching the game itself. Um, I think, you know, f uh, mainly for the reason that you said is that they just don't have the patience. They don't have the tolerance to sit through a game that includes so much downtime, so much ad time. And, uh, you know, we know that it's not just the ads, but there's a tremendous amount of downtime between downs and everything else in NFL games. So the actual action is just a very small portion. Playtime action is actually a very small portion of the actual uh, broadcast time. So that seems like a big issue also. So you've got 
as you're saying, you've got these ad loads that are sort of out of step with what viewers' expectations are going to be. You have advertisers that are going to increasingly be able to reach audiences via more digital type advertising, whether through connected TVs or other devices. Um, and you have this decline in the multi-channel pay TV universe continuing, the cord cutting that we've seen uh, just continuing over the next 10 years. So th that seems like a triple whammy to me. It certainly does to me, Will. And what's the net-net of all this? Well, the net-net is that we are already beginning to see uh, advertising spend on connected TVs ramping up. Um, I pulled some eMarketer data. eMarketer is forecasting. Well, they said the ad spend on connected TV was about $11 billion in 2020. They think it's going to increase by $10 billion through 2024 to, to reach 18, over 18 billion. Now, they also, for, interestingly, they also forecast traditional TV ad spending. And they do say it's declining, and you would expect that, right? Um, but not declining very much. So they said that, um, for example, they're forecasting that the ad spend, TV ad spend, traditional TV ad spend, will be $68 billion in 2023, which is down about 3%. Uh, from 2019, uh, which is not a big, a big decrease, r really. And so what that says is actually spending on the TV screen will increase by, gosh, $10 billion in that period, which is a lot. Uh, and, and what it seems like is happening here is actually CTV is drawing some digital dollar, dollars from other digital platforms right. into it. But I got to believe if, if really homes fall by 50% over, uh, excuse me, pay TV homes fall by 50% or more between now and 2030, 2033, there is no way that $70 billion is going to continue to be spent on TV advertising because most of the viewing and most of the audience now is on digital. So I have to believe that a lot more of that TV revenue TV ad spend revenue is going to switch between now and 2023. And that is bad news, right? If people don't want to spend as much money on traditional TV, then i got to believe that ad rates inside of NFL football uh, are going to drop as uh, the audiences are falling too, as the, as the audience just can't watch anymore because they don't have the right platforms. So I, I don't know. I um, now, I'm not, I'm not putting my stake in the ground, Will, and saying all of these forecasts that I've thrown out today, that's what TV is going to be like in 2033. I think the point is that these sorts of changes are certainly where we are headed and that there is no certainty at all what's going to happen by 2033, except that there are beginning to be, going to be a lot more people watching online. So uh, I don't know, this, this stability that Roger Goodell is talking about, well, yeah, he's got a nice stable deal, but at the end of it, will he have any audience for the games? <laughs> that's, that's really what I'm well, asking myself. Well, right. I think that's a fair question. And, and then you have to ask, well, you know, which, which of the parties are going to bear the brunt of the types of changes that you just described and what's really behind the commissioner's comment that it's unprecedented and unprecedented era of stability because if the networks are you know guaranteeing these payments basically which i think that they are we don't know the exact fine points of the of the deal but you know i think the idea is that these are guaranteed payments 
through at least the next seven years, um, the NFL seems like they have insulated themselves from some of the changes that you've outlined you know, very well here. And it's really more the networks that are at risk of taking the brunt of these changes. I, I, you know, there's obviously some truth to that, Will. But, I, you know, I've, I've got to say that even, okay, so great. They make all the money. They make the $100 billion that they've got coming in. Um, but this $100 billion, okay, how are they going to spend it? And how are they going to hang on to their audience? That's the big, that's the big thing, right? Because I think what's going to happen here is, uh, and I think this was included in the deal, there's an out for the NFL after seven years. So they could, re- they could choose to completely renegotiate everything after seven years. But I also think there's some flexibility in the deal for the broadcasters to go back and renegotiate some of the terms uh, and get more of those games online in this period. And I think that's going to happen. I'm I'm willing to bet that that will happen and probably they'll just do a complete renegotiation at seven years. That, That is almost certain to happen. But even given all of that, I gotta tell you, I still think the way NFL games are played are increasingly out of step with the way people want to watch them. And the fact that more people are gravitating to game capsules really highlights that fact. And that is something that means the game itself must change if it's to remain as broadly popular as it has been in the past. And Boy, have you heard any inter- intimation that that is going to happen? I haven't. Yeah, I mean that's that's a whole nother can of worms. It seems like that's that's a fundamental product problem, like what we're saying in terms of the ad loads and the amount of actual action that happens on the field during the entirety of the broadcast. Um, maybe what we'll see over the next seven to ten years is more fundamental change in the game itself. That will mitigate some of these issues. Maybe they'll figure out how to get a game squeezed down into two hours, for instance. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, if they do that, I think they will reignite interest in a lot of people that are drifted away just because they don't have three hours on a Sunday to devote to watching the game. Um, and and even those that have continued to watch the game. You know, if they want to watch another game, they'll go. They'll go watch the game capsule. They won't want to settle down. And I have to say, it's affected me as well. Will I really don't find I have the time to watch a full yeah. game anymore? And what I tend to do is I tend to record it and start watching much later and and skip over as much of the ads. And it's not just the ads I'm skipping. I'm finding myself skipping between downs as well because. You know, I, I, I saw the play. Nothing much happened. Let's let's get on with it. Let's get to the next down. I want to see the next piece of action. So it's infecting me as well, this impatience yeah. with, I hear with the you. game. Yeah, I hear you. I'm the same way. I can't remember the last time I actually sat through an entire football game from start to finish. That's that that's a big that's a big commitment. I think it is too. So either any way you look at it. If they want to continue to maintain a sizable audience and grow their audience in younger people and maintain their existing, maybe less committed audience, change has got to come to the game. And it'd yeah. be interesting to see if they start to talk about yeah. that uh, yeah. in the short term. Yep, yeah. I hear you. Well, lots of different issues 
Colin, very complicated situation, lots of money at stake, obviously, and yeah. lots of and lots of incentive, as you as you just said, lots of incentive for the NFL and the broadcast partners to keep you know looking hard at what they're delivering and making sure that it's meeting up with viewers' interests. You bet, you bet, and and you look, it's been a marvelous partnership for the last what th- three decades. I have a feeling that they'll get together at some point and work together to evolve the game to make it as appealing in the digital world as it has been in the traditional TV world. Um, yeah. But, uh, boy, it'd be interesting to see in, in 2033 what has changed, uh, if anything. All right, bookmark this podcast. We'll come back in 10 years and we'll see where things are. Holy cow, that's a, that's a thought, isn't it? That's a big commitment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Colin, good chatting as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening in, joining us on this week's edition of the Video News End Screen Media Podcast. And we'll see you all again next week. Bye.